The Truth News Network. Things to trust more than politicians. Cable company internet speeds. Stereo equipment out of a white van. Gas station sushi. Drinking water from Lake Erie. A weather forecast from Al Gore. Things you can trust. Well, let's start with someone immersed in the truth. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And to separate noise from reality, here's Dan Newman. You know, the one of those to, those um, little things Peter was talking about trusting, the one that turns my stomach the most thinking about a gas station sushi. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, gas station sushi. There's a pond behind the gas station and the guy goes and catches some catfish and turn it into sushi. Oh my gosh. How are you doing today? I hope it is going good for you this week and that uh, the first couple of days were just magic. Magic. Well, let me tell you what's going on, folks. We have so many big things that we need to discuss today. As a matter of fact, I'll give you an example. Yesterday, we finished the show and we had four very important topics that we couldn't get to because of lack of time. And one would think in two hours, come on, Dan, you can get a lot of things covered. Well, we do, and we did yesterday, but we didn't finish. And we're going to jump all over that. We, we have several carryovers from yesterday that are very, very important news and information, and we're going to get to a couple of those in the show today. Plus, as you can imagine, no surprise to any of us, there's a whole bunch of New stuff that just popped up overnight. There's so many moving parts into this government, and I think a lot of that is purposeful. Let's throw stuff out there and divert the people's attention so they don't see what we're really doing. I think there's a lot of that going on, don't you? We're going to start a new feature today. Now, we may do it every day at the beginning of the show, We may not do it every day at the beginning of the show, but when we do it, it's going to be about something very, very special. You remember Paul Harvey, great orator. He's the one that did the rest of the story. Uh, I've been told I might ought to title this or label this, um, this element of our show the rest of the story, and we may do that. I don't know. We're going to determine that later. We may just call it the story, but whatever it is, every day it is out here and we bring it to you. It's about something very important. So let's just get right to today's the story. Here's something that we've noticed here. You may have noticed it too. Seems like all of a sudden, pretty much every powerful person in the country is talking about one thing. All of them. It's called democracy. Democracy, our sacred democracy. You hear that word everywhere, from the Atlantic Magazine to NPR to the New Yorker Magazine and even NBC News in between. Democracy defines the year 2022 the way that the word groovy defined 1968. All the cool kids were saying it, right? Liz Cheney, Liz Cheney, Congresswoman from Wisconsin, she's decided her life's mission is now to defend democracy. Jim Acosta, he has a brand new CNN show. 
And on that show, he uses the word democracy the way some people use prepositions in every sentence. Today, at 1 p.m. Central, there's a Zoom webinar on democracy, which you're welcome to attend in case you haven't heard enough about it already. Every left-of-center midwit on Twitter is going to be there. All of them are going to be fretting about the future of democracy. Now, it's easy to make fun of an event like that. And, of course, you've got a moral obligation to make fun of it. David Frum bloviating about democracy. Insert joke here. But actually, if we're being honest about it, you should be just a little worried about the state of our democracy. So how's our democracy doing? Let's grade it. Let's see. Another way to describe democracy is popular representation. It's a synonym. When the government does what citizens want it to do, you have a democracy. And when it doesn't, the government I'm talking about, you don't have a democracy. You no longer have a free country that is ruled by the people. So, obviously, that brings up a question. What kind of system do we have right now? It's easy to know. You find out what citizens care about. Then you compare those concerns to what the people who run the government say they care about. If you've got a functioning democracy, there should be a fairly precise overlap between the two. You know what the people think and what the government thinks. In a democratic system, leaders try very hard to speak for their voters. That's the whole point of a representative government, right? So let's just apply that test to the United States of America. What do our leaders care about? We know the answer because they tell us every day, all day. Our leaders care about equity and climate change. They care about transgender rights, police brutality, the deadly insurrection on January 6th, mandatory vaccinations, more H-1B visas for India tech workers, and above all, at the moment, defending our closest ally on the planet, Ukraine, from Russian aggression. And of course, they care about third-wave academic feminism. That's deeply important to them. Who's the most famous Democrat in Congress? Ah, you know. That person, the most famous Democrat in Congress, gave us an impromptu tutorial on Instagram about the connection between cosmetics and the patriarchy. AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, here's what she said. There are studies that show that women who wear makeup regularly wear like a, a decent amount of makeup kind of show up to the office and glam also make more money. And so at that point, it stops being these calculations and decisions stop being about choice. They start being about patriarchy. We live in systems that were largely built for the convenience of men, she says. And oftentimes, we're designed with the subjugation of women and queer people in mind. We need to give that lady an MSNBC show. She's qualified. 
I wear makeup because I'm oppressed. Me, 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 me. Now, the shorthand description of that is simply narcissism, which is, in the end, the defining concern of all of our leaders in this Biden administration. Above all, though, they're interested in themselves. If you work in the media or have multiple college degrees, chances are you're pretty good at making it all about you, right? You is what you care about most. What does the rest of America care about? Once again, we don't have to guess about that. We've got a huge amount of public opinion polling on that subject, right? At the top of that list, you'll see government incompetence, the economy, the cost of living, and of course, immigration. Well, that's weird. It's completely different from the list Joe Biden might have made. Equity, climate change, transgenderism, mandatory vaccination, January 6th, Ukraine. Those trends seem pretty unimportant to most of us. You know, we everyday Americans. Some of those issues are at the very bottom of the people's list. But how can that be? If global climate change is the most imminent existential crisis of our time, then why don't voters seem concerned about it? We don't know, but they're definitely not concerned about it. Instead, Americans are very worried about inflation and about crime. As it happens, and this tells you everything, those are the two topics the White House has just dismissed recently as irrelevant. And of course, the other thing, it's dumb. They're dumb. We don't talk about them because they're dumb. The White House isn't all worried about inflation and crime, period. That doesn't sound like democracy to me. Here's the White House press secretary taking some time off from her junior year in Oberlin to speak to her fellow undergrads at something called Pod Save America about how rising crime rates are actually an invention. By whom? An invention of those racists over at Fox News. Listen to Jen Psaki. If you look at Fox on a daily basis, I mean, do you remember the four boxes that you had that we had on all the TVs, right? Which mm-hmm. is on my TV right now. So right now, just to give you a sense, so CNN, Pentagon, as many as 8,500 U.S. troops on heightened alert. Okay, true. Same on MSNBC. CNBC is doing their own thing about the market. And then on Fox is Janine Pirro talking about soft on crime consequences. I mean, what, what does that even mean? Right. Um, so there's an alternate universe on some uh, coverage. What's scary about it is a lot of people watch that. A lot of people watch it. And you know why there are a lot of people that watch it? Because like you said, the same thing's running on CNN and MSNBC. They parrot each other. They parrot what you parrots in the White House want them to put up. There are some free thinkers out there, some real journalists. So what do your kids getting shot have to do with Ukraine? (laughs) Nothing, Dumbo. You're living in an alternate universe. That's Jen Psaki's position. 
you got to be delusional to think crime was a problem in this country unless, of course, you happened to be in Georgetown last night about 645. If you were there, you may have seen a man shot to death outside Georgetown Cupcakes. That's just off M Street. I know right where it is. And the funny thing is, that's not very far from where Jen Psaki lives. But did Jen acknowledge that happened? Of course she didn't. Nothing, nothing makes much sense coming out of this White House. Noticing the collapse of our civilization? Well, of course, if you even look at it, yet alone talk about it, you're racist. Even when it's happening just down the street. Look away, Jinsaki. Look away. And whatever you do, don't go to Baltimore. Baltimore is a major American city. It's only 40 miles from where Jen Psaki hangs her hat. It's one of the worst places in the Western Hemisphere. It's a little bit of Haiti in the Mid-Atlantic. But it's just down the street from Washington, D.C. Baltimore is exactly what happens when you apply Jen Psaki's ideas to governing. Baltimore is a city run by people who fervently believe in the equity agenda and consider gender studies a legitimate academic discipline. In Baltimore, pretty much everybody in charge is black, yet it's a matter of religious faith that the main thing holding the city back is white racism. In other words, everybody with power in Baltimore agrees with Jen Psaki. So it's an entirely fair question to ask, Hey, Jen, what do you think about Baltimore? How did the city get that way? You claim to care so deeply about African Americans. You never stop talking about that. And yet, here's one of the biggest black majority cities in the nation. Tens of thousands of black people who live in Baltimore, by the way, are in misery because their kids keep getting murdered. Last year, Baltimore's murder rate was higher than that in El Salvador and Honduras. Those are the countries, by the way, the State Department tells us all to avoid due to crime. So it's fair to say things are incredibly violent in Baltimore. They have been for a long time, and yet under Joe Biden, somehow they've gotten even worse in Baltimore. Here's a local news report from yesterday out of Baltimore. Quote, The hugging and crying sounds of sorrow, outpouring of emotions over the killing of a loved one. 36 homicides in the first month this year in Baltimore City with only two arrests. 36 dead, two arrests, one for a deadly shooting, the other a stabbing death. 36 murders in 31 days. That's the deadliest January in Baltimore in 50 years. And remember, 50 years ago, Baltimore was almost twice the size as it is now. Only half the city's left. Everybody's leaving Baltimore. So Baltimore is far worse off than it has ever been in history. And it's not just murders. Drug crimes are up dramatically. You might know that because they're not being prosecuted anymore. Why? Well, last spring, 
the local city attorney, who happens to be another one of those attorneys that is a George Soros puppet, her name, Marilyn Mosby, announced she would no longer prosecute low-level drug crimes. So arrest plummeted. They, they call that a victory in a, a criminal law, right? Our arrest went way down. But drug trafficking exploded. Here's what it looks like. This is a different reporter from Baltimore. Quote, Cameras caught what appears to be one of those open-air drug deals happening in broad daylight near the Edmondson Village Shopping Center in Baltimore. It's an issue we've been hearing about in neighborhoods citywide throughout the past summer. It comes after a city state's attorney, Marilyn Mosby, stopped prosecuting drug crimes in the city, including drug possession, a major policy shift that some believe have left the issue to only flourish. Jen Psaki's for that. Black people don't want laws to be enforced. That's the thinking in this administration. That's her view. That's the view of everybody she knows. But what did policies like that do to Baltimore? Well, they turned a once beautiful city into little more than a slum. According to a report by Fox 45 in Baltimore, public school administrators have instructed the cops to stop arresting students at their schools for committing crimes. And that would include serious offenses from burglary to assault. So guess what? The cops did stop arresting kids. The number of students arrested in Baltimore schools has dropped by 98% in the last decade. So what does that interpret into? Hey, we don't have any crime in our schools anymore. We don't have arrest of kids there. Well, it looks good on paper, right? Makes the news. But it turns out ignoring crime is not the same as stopping crime. Schools in Baltimore got so bad that kids stopped learning anything. You want another report? What is Baltimore going to look like in 20 years? This is from another reporter. In reading 628, Patterson High School students took the test, 484 of them, or 77%, tested. Now, this is high school, Patterson High School. 77% tested at an elementary school reading level that includes 71 high school students who are reading at a kindergarten level, 88 students reading at a first grade level, another 45 are reading at a second grade level. Just 12 students tested at Patterson High School were reading at grade level. That comes out to less than 2%. So the kids can't read? They're illiterate? What's their future looking like? What does Baltimore's future look like? What does the country's future look like? How are they going to participate in our society? You wouldn't know any of this was happening by looking at the official graduation numbers. You know why? Last year, Baltimore announced that students will graduate from high school even if they failed their courses. Baltimore's so-called chief academic officer 
who is that? It would be Harvard-educated bureaucrat named Joan Dabrowski. She announced that this policy was designed to avoid the punitive approach of failing students. Okay. But somebody is failing students in Baltimore. Somebody, in fact, is failing the entire city. And you have to ask yourself, who would that be? You'd like to ask Jen Psaki, who do you blame for Baltimore? Did white men do this to Baltimore? Was it patriarchy? Was it structural racism that caused all those murders? Do you agree with Pete Buttigieg that Klansmen urban planners put the highways in the wrong place in Baltimore? That's the real problem? Racist roads? Or could it be that the real problem with Baltimore is something much more obvious? Could it be that progressive policies designed to lift up marginalized communities in the end destroyed those marginalized communities? What's the answer to that question, Jen? In a functioning democracy, people like Jen Psaki would have to give us an answer. They would be required to live in Baltimore until they learn something just as the people who wrecked Afghanistan probably ought to explain what they've learned before they move on to Ukraine and Russia. That ought to be a requirement. And in fact, honestly, you'd think that people like this would welcome a chance to reflect on what they've done. What have they done? They have screwed up very badly. They've hurt the weakest among us. For Christians, that's the greatest sin. But these people aren't Christians. At least they don't seem to be Christians. Like the word Christian means Christ-like. They worship only themselves, so they turn away from problems. You can bet money that Jin Psaki rarely goes to Baltimore, if at all. It's just too depressing. And it raises too many questions that might be asked that she might have to answer. Instead, Jen Psaki and her friends are planning their fun little summer trips to Bozeman or Martha's Vineyard or East Hampton or some of the remote and blindingly white outposts of privilege. Funny how that works. You wreck stuff and then you ignore it. This allows you to wreck more stuff, and you don't even have to feel guilty. That's modern progressivism distilled down to 18 words. And that's what they have done in the big cities of Baltimore, Philadelphia, Minneapolis, Detroit. You want me to keep going? I can name a bunch of them and you can probably add some more. Folks, (laughs) it's not about money. And this one blows my mind. All Jen Psaki wants to talk about regarding fixing crime is money, 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 and guns, guns, guns. I have never heard of a single gun pulling the trigger and killing somebody. It takes people. The people element is not even being addressed in this administration's addressing, if you can call it that, crime and how to fix it. Throw money at it. 
throw money at it and call people names. That fixes a lot of things, doesn't it? And of course, if you don't agree with them about that, about throwing money at it, you're obviously a white supremacist or just a plain racist. And if you want to stop the criminality at the southern border, you're a xenophobe and a Trumpster. I thought when I moved out of Brightwood subdivision in Lafayette, Louisiana, when I was 13 years old, I thought I walked away from that name-calling thing. It's living in the White House. And I don't see it moving out anytime soon. And if this president moves out anytime soon, there's going to be another one that takes this whole process up a notch that's going to be there in his place. The vice president, Kamala Harris. Folks, if we don't get our stuff together, all of the issues that we're talking about every day here at TNN Live that are published in our stories at truthnewsnet.org, all of that is just going to continue to roll and roll and roll and roll and only get worse. More people are going to die. Inflation is going to go through the roof. Businesses are going to flee our shores going somewhere where at least there's a little bit of law enforcement and there are educated people there. You know, not the ones that got degrees, but the ones that earn the degrees to operate and work in these big companies where all this money is made. You know, those evil rich people, they don't have anybody that they give any of that money to. You know, employees, those insignificant plebes. I honestly, after this, the story today, I sit here asking questions and I have no answers for these questions. I'm sure you're like me. You're asking some of the same questions. Name calling, name calling. That's all they can do and laugh at Fox News. Do you know that the lowest Monday through Saturday talk show, news show on Fox News, the one with the lowest ratings, I'm talking about 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, outrates primetime on CNN and MSNBC combined. That is factual. It's been that way now for years. Last night on the Sean Hannity show, the number of eyeballs, the number of people with eyeballs that watched Sean Hannity last night, you know what the number of people that looked in, you know what that constitutes? One, one hour Sean Hannity show on any night during the week, more people watch that show than do in an entire week of all the talk shows combined on CNN. Those people just don't get it. They think you and I are incapable of ferreting out the facts and the truth and that we're okay letting them spin the facts. And that makes them, of course, nothing more than certainly not facts, but their opinions, and that's the way it's supposed to go. I'm going to give you an exact example from the horse's mouth. One of the horses at CNN, the midget, the little round man, Brian Stelter, who's got a show, and his show is all about media. 
You know the whole controversy about Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan actually, he made everybody very, very clear that the mainstream method of treating COVID-19 with these vaccines in the face of all the facts around COVID-19, Joe Rogan says, you know what? I took ivermectin and it saved my life. And he said a bunch of other things. And basically, the substance of what Rogan was saying is, if you're listening to these Main Street hatchet people on media, you're not hearing the truth. And put that all in the context of what our story was about today, the story about losing any of the cognizance of reality by mainstream media, legacy media, whatever they want us to call them. Here's Brian explaining how wrong we are. The narrative is. I want to show all kinds of opinions. Which sounds great, but not all opinions are created equal. But not all opinions are created equal. You think about major newsrooms like CNN that have health departments and deaths and operations that work hard on verified information on COVID-19. And then you have talk show stars like Joe Rogan who just wing it, who make it up as they go along. And because figures like Rogan are trusted by people that don't trust real newsrooms, we have a tension, a problem that's much bigger than Spotify, much bigger than any single platform, Kate. But that's what is the heart of this right now. Yeah, but you're right. Yeah, but you're right. It is getting at something bigger that isn't going to be solved in one Joe Rogan video or one statement from Spotify. That's for sure. It's good to see you, Brian. Thank you so much. Just because... Joe Rogan, who, by the way, is the number one YouTuber there is. His show is number one over every show, including the reruns of segments of CNN and even Fox News. And here's Brian Stelter, who has, oh, maybe 30 people watching his show last night. I'm I'm exaggerating. It was probably at least 35. And he's telling anybody that if you would listen to somebody like Joe Rogan and Stelter even classified his conversation by saying when if you want to listen to a guy like Joe Rogan instead of us here when we have a whole department of researchers of people that go get all the facts that we bring to people there's something wrong with you they believe that folks they believe their poop doesn't stink And I'm not talking about literal poop. I'm talking about their news and information poop. Because in large part, that's what it is. In large part, that's all it is. We may not be able to lower the cost of gas, but we can do something about how many miles you will drive per gallon. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store today and let us help you increase the performance of your car or truck. Simple things like replacing your air filter, changing worn-out spark plugs, and using fuel injector cleaner can add up to better fuel economy and big savings. There's an O'Reilly Auto Parts store close to you that has the name brands, low prices, and people who can help. Restore lost fuel economy and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts by two and get one free. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner quickly cleans clogged injectors to increase fuel efficiency and help your vehicle run smooth. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner, buy two, get one free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply, see store for details. O'Reilly, oh, 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 O'Reilly, 
Duncan is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at Duncan with our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold, cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices. And there's more pumpkin for you to love, like the delicious fall classic, our pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. That's how we pumpkin at Duncan. Sip into the fall season with the new pumpkin cream cold brew or pumpkin spice signature latte. America runs on Duncan. Price of participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high-fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy. Live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. In a world of weapons-grade stupidity, your defense is the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Yeah, I think you could, uh, you could underneath Brian Stelter's picture, the one that he has, you know, it's plastered all over CNN because, hey, he has his own show. I think underneath that, you could put example of weapons-grade stupidity. Because they used that narrative that he uh, he just shared. You heard him share it. They used that as their weapon against people that tell the truth, people that present facts. I can't even imagine if I even wanted to have a conversation with someone like Brian Stelter about this show. I can't imagine. I can't fathom how much ridicule I would get from them because of you're just a little internet show. When facts, and listen to what I'm about to tell you, facts are, on some days, we have more people listening to this show at one time than listen to Brian Stelter on an international cable news network. Now that ought to embarrass him. And folks, there are other real thinking conservatives out there that even have much greater audiences than we do here at TNN Live. They just denigrate the fact that Americans do not accept their drivel. They don't like it. They don't accept it. And they know better. Americans are just simply not stupid. Well, maybe a lot of Americans that don't live in Baltimore... (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just pointing something out. There are people that are very dumb because not they're dumb. They just choose not to learn. They choose to reject facts rather than find facts and embrace facts. Let me just segue immediately to something else that has just frosted me for more than a year, actually almost a year and a month now. The January 6th insurrection. And the reason for that insurrection, what was the reason it happened? Why did all those people go to Washington that day? Why were they there? It was to protest not the election of November 3rd, 2020, but the counting of the votes and the recording of the results of that January of that November 3rd election. That's what January 6th was about. And so anybody that disagreed with the results that came out of it, forget about the facts. 
we know there are innumerable cases around the nation that have been adjudicated to say there was massive irregularities, if not fraud, in the results of the January 6th election. And if if you talk to anybody, if you talk to Liz Cheney today, that election wasn't stolen. And talking about it, and even talking about there being problems that changed the results, that's just part of the big lie. And that whole mindset has shut down, in large part, the conversation about the facts that come out. A Wisconsin court, a, a, ju- a judge that is a, appointed by a Democrat, he threw out threw out the count tally of all of the mail-in ballots because they did not follow the process for mail-in ballots as is in Wisconsin law. Threw them all out. Similar thing happened in Michigan. Yesterday, another judge in Michigan, guess what he did? He releases an audit report of Dominion Voting Systems. And I'm going to read this story verbatim. A Michigan judge has released a bombshell report on the audit of Dominion Voting Systems revealing that the machines and their software were designed to create systemic fraud. This is out of Michigan. The report covers the forensic audit of Dominion's machines in Michigan's Antrim County, which received national attention after it was discovered that 6,000 votes for President Trump were flipped to Democrat Joe Biden due to what elections officials called an error. 13th Circuit Court Judge Kevin Eisenheimer ordered the report's protective order to be lifted on Monday night, allowing details of the audit to be unsealed and released to the public. The data firm that conducted the forensic audit of Dominion Voting Systems determined the machines and software in Michigan showed they were designed to create fraud and influence election results. Quote, We conclude that the Dominion Voting System is intentionally and purposefully designed with inherent errors to create systemic fraud and influence election results. That's Russell Ramsland Jr., co-founder of Allied Security Operations Group. The system intentionally generates an enormously high number of ballot errors. Now, this ruling is a major blow for Dominion's CEOs who hope to keep the report sealed. The electronic ballots are then transferred for adjudication, the report continues. The intentional errors led to bulk adjudication of ballots with no oversight, no transparency, and no audit trail. Based on our study, we conclude that the Dominion voting system should not be used in Michigan, he added. We further conclude the results of Antrim County should not have been certified. You hear any of that on CNN or MSNBC? You read about it in the Washington Post, the New York Times. Did ABC, CBS, or NBC, did they cover it in their 6 o'clock evening news last night? No, you didn't hear anything about it. You didn't hear any actual real report about the results of that massive Maricopa County 
voting election machine processing audit of the Phoenix, Arizona and the surrounding county, 12 million people. You didn't hear anything about that audit. They found massive irregularities. Far, far enough in number that would have changed the results of the election in Maricopa County and that would have determined the electoral college votes going to who? Donald Trump instead of Joe Biden. Folks, I'm not even thinking about going back and changing the results of that election. The horse is out of the barn. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. But don't you think it's wisdom? It's wise for us to look at what happened, look at the mistakes, look at the fraud, and institute the process is necessary to keep it from ever happening again. This government, this administration, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, even a couple of Democrats, Adam Wisbanger <laughs> from Congress, he's on the January 6th committee with Liz Cheney, rhinos. They can't stand Donald Trump. They say their positions, their thoughts are the only democratic way. They accept all of this fraud and these irregularities in votings. They accept that. They don't want it to be investigated. Why is that? Because they're not standing for the rule of law. And you heard in our The Story segment up there, this administration, they tell us every day, oh, we're against criminals. We've got to straighten up our cities. We're spending money, Jen Psaki says. We're spending all this money. This president is sending money. He's never been part of the defund the police movement. He would never go there. It's not about the money. It's about enforcing the rule of law. And this president and his ilk don't. They turn their backs on it because it's not politically expedient for them and their compadres. If you want to build a Democrat party, Democrat registered voters are falling by the wayside in the hundreds of thousands across the nation, have been for years. They've got to have a political party to cement their power in government. They want it to be perpetuated. They want it to be something they can do one time, put a process in place, and it will give Democrat and Democrat party unlimited political power forever. How do you do it the easiest way? Flood the nation with illegal immigrants. Make sure all these illegals know we Democrats are the ones that gave you these opportunities. We shortchange that racist system. You know, that immigration law process that, by the way, we were part of putting in place when we voted for those immigration laws. But forget about the fact that we did that. We're better than that now. We may have made mistakes, but what we're doing now is we're going to right the ship. We're going to do it the right way, kind of like they did to the African-American community during the last century. If you listen to them all, if you listen to what they say when they get up and give speeches about African-Americans and where the freedom of these people came from and where the right to vote for African-Americans came from. The Democrats are 
They're responsible for all of that. They made it happen on their own. The evil Republicans never would. Well, let's just do a quick little history check. Um, Who freed slaves? The very first Republican in the nation. Who was that? A Republican president named Abraham Lincoln. Hmm. Who gave African Americans the right to vote? Well, it was a Democrat party. They voted dead set against it over and over again. It took the Republicans in the Republican Party to block vote to give African Americans the right to vote. Who gave them citizenship? Democrats. Nope, they wouldn't do it. Who started the Civil War? Well, it was those Republicans down south. Uh Uh-uh. It was Democrats down south. The same Democrats that created the Ku Klux Klan. Democrat Party started the KKK. They started the hoods and burning crosses. They wanted to perpetuate their ownership of African Americans in all these big wealthy plantations in the south. These are historical facts that you should have if you're not already knowledgeable about them, go find out for yourself. Don't trust me. Democrat governor of Alabama. Who was that? George Wallace. Democrat. Refused to allow the school system in Alabama to be integrated. Sent out the National Guard. There were guns that were fired. People being beat up. People being shot. Who shot and killed Martin Luther King? James Earl Ray, registered Democrat. I mean, we could go on and on and on and on. It has nothing to do with facts. The racism, the cries of racist and racism you hear in this nation today, those are artificial results of a series of big lies, the real big lies, created, put in circulation, by Democrats to protect their system of power. And that's what they're all about in Washington, D.C. Have been for three generations at least. And as far as I know, they have no intent to change a thing. Sometimes, folks, facts don't line up with our political narrative, our preferred thought process. And so what do we do? We just change the narrative. We don't worry about the facts. We don't want to deal with the facts. In fact, in many cases, we want to hide them. How many of you out there that are listening to the show right now, did you know that the Democrat Party, the party itself, not people, just people in the party, but the party itself created, came up with the idea, formalized the idea, weaponized it, gave it a name, gave it all kinds of symbols, and named it the Ku Klux Klan. Democrats did that. Those same people were the ones that started the Civil War because that Republican in the White House, the one from Illinois that had the funny-looking beard, he wanted to, what a stupid idea, free people, give people human rights that, by the way, were guaranteed in the U.S. Constitution anyway. All men are created equal. 
and our equality is endowed by our creator, not by any government or political party. All those kind of things. None of that was Democrat. None of it today. None of it is Republican. They point fingers and blame, 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 and every time that happens, I've told you this for years now, instead of concentrating on what they're waving around that's in their hand they're waving around at, instead of concentrating on that, look what's in the left hand behind their backs. Those are the facts. Those are the things that we need to concentrate on. Let's move on. You know, we talk all the time about, well, the Constitution says this, First Amendment, Second Amendment, all ten amendments. We talk about everything that our government does And if it's in the Constitution, it can't be changed. Regardless of what they tell you in Washington, the United States Constitution cannot be changed without you and me being part of it. And so there are a lot of states through the years that have been trying to convene constitutional conventions in which every time in the past, We've had amendments, and we have 26 of them, I believe. There is a constitutional convention where the people get together with political leaders, and they come up with the specific things that they want changed in the Constitution. So when they talk with these lawmakers in the Congress, Congress goes back, and they draft amendments. They approve them there, and then those have to be sent out to the states, and the states have to say they're okay. There's a bunch of requests. I don't even know the exact number. But there's a bunch of requests and attempts to get constitutional conventions in states for years. Two more states, Nebraska and Wisconsin, last week joined the call for a convention of states to amend this constitution, imparting a renewal momentum to a grassroots movement advocating a never-before-used constitutional process, which its supporters say will help transfer power back from Washington to the states and the American people. It's called the Convention of States Project, the COS. It was formed nine years ago. It's been mobilizing through its nationwide network of a bunch of activists who are all out there pushing states to pursue something they've never done before. Under Article 5 in the Constitution, states have the power to call a convention, to propose these constitutional amendments without the approval of Congress. For this to happen, two-thirds of the state legislatures, that's 34 folks, must formally support having such a convention. It's never been used to amend the Constitution before. All of the existing 27 amendments, I missed it by one, have been proposed by Congress, which requires the support of two-thirds of both the House and Senate. COS's mission is to call a convention of states where participants propose amendments limited to those that will, quote, impose fiscal restraints on the federal government, limit its power and its jurisdiction, and impose term limits on its officials and members of Congress. Last Friday, Nebraska became the 17th state to call for such a convention. They passed a legislative resolution that put supporters of the effort halfway to their goal of getting 34 states to agree. The legislature will rescind the resolution by February 1st, 2027, 
if efforts to convene the states fail by that time. It's encouraging that we respect the Constitution and the intent of the Founding Fathers when it comes to states having equal footing with the federal government. That's from Nebraska Senator Steve Halloran, who introduced this bill. Halloran added he pushed the resolution because Congress cannot control its runaway spending, and the federal government has usurped the authority of the states. The states need to exercise their constitutional authority by proposing amendments through an Article 5 Convention of States to restrain the federal government from driving our country into insolvency. And I think we'd all, we'd stand up and shout and agree, folks, if we really knew how bad off we are financially and how much in the hole we are and what our nation as a whole being in the hole, what it actually means to you and me and to our kids and grandkids and their kids and their grandkids and their grandkids' kids. And, you know, I mean, it's just going generation to generation to generation. Yesterday, the nation's debt for the first time in history formally eclipsed $30 trillion, with a T dollars. Now, where in the heck could we get $30 trillion? And don't be one of those that says, oh, we'll never have to pay that back. We'll just tell those countries that own our debt, sorry, look at what we've done for you. Look at the wars that we have come in and helped you to save you, yada, yada, yada. No, 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 you don't understand. A bunch of countries don't own the majority of our debt, our government debt. You know who do? Me and you. What are you talking about, Dan? You have a 401k, you have a simple IRA, you have any kind of retirement fund, you have a bunch of CDs in the bank. Do you know that retirement funds, insurance companies that are required to keep so much cash on hand sufficient to pay out expected or anticipated claims, but they invest the rest? These big Wall Street banks... They buy these money market funds and invest all kinds of money there. You know where those things end up? A lot of them? Treasury bills. That's where those $30 trillion that we borrowed, that's where it principally came from. So in other words, if the United States thumbed its nose at all these companies, all these banks, all these IRAs and 401k retirement funds and said, we're not going to pay that. You just eat it. They're telling me and you, your investments, your retirement funds, your Social Security and Medicare, by the way, they're gone just because we said, we're not going to pay it back. We're just going to keep borrowing money. Don't believe it is a big lie when you hear many of these people on the left that support leftist causes we're never going to have to pay that back. Don't ever think that. I mean, my parents were told when they started Social Security and Medicare, they were told, you're going to pay into it. It's going to be payroll deducted for the rest of your life. You're going to have something significant. We put, the federal government puts all that money that comes out of your paycheck and also it's matched by your employer. We're putting that over here in an, an account that nobody can touch. That account is wide open, folks. They decided a long time ago they needed that money in there, and so they took it out and spent it. 
But of course, they replaced it with a promissory note from the government that says, don't worry about it. When it's your time to go to the doctor after you retire, Medicare is going to take care of the bill. And when you retire, we've got money saved up in your account, and so we're going to pay you. And we're the federal government. We would never go broke. We'll make it work. Don't worry about it. That's what they're telling us. And then now, every four years, we get somebody that wants to run for president, and they want to, quote, unquote, reform Social Security and reform Medicare. They didn't talk about that when I started paying Medicare premiums, my part, through my employers, Social Security the same way back in the late 60s. I got my first job where I got a real paycheck, you know, one that had withholdings when I was 16. I'm 68. You do the math. 52 years I've paid into both of those systems, and that's a lot of money. I remember when George W. Bush was president, he came up with a grand idea to privatize part of Social Security because it was spending more than the money, the dollars that were being held out of employees' paychecks around the nation. And we want to make it work. He traveled around the country doing these speeches in front of large groups of American people. I went to one of them at Centenary College in Shreveport. It hacked me off. It was in the summertime. It was, I mean, it was toasty hot. And we had to go through the scanners. We had to wait in line for a couple of hours And what he was doing was explaining the benefits of privatizing just part of the Social Security system and giving money that people had already paid into it, and they know exactly how much you've paid into it, allowing people to take some of that and invest it in private enterprises, the stock market, money market funds, whatever. Let the American people, the ones that, technically own all that, have a little bit more to do hands-on on our retirement. And Americans across the nation in large part, they were all in for it. Let's do it. Let's do it. You know who aren't? Congress. They would never take up the legislation. Why is that? Because that's their piggy bank. They don't put anything in it. (laughs) They're not going to need it. And they don't care if you or I need it today or we'll need it tomorrow, that's immaterial to them. It's money in the bank, and what do they do with it? My goodness, they spend trillions that we don't have. Money that's in the bank? Oh, my gosh. To them, that's like finding an Easter egg they hid and they thought they lost. Hey, 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 here's another egg. Here's another trillion or two that, oh, those American taxpayers put up. That doesn't matter. Your source of truth in a chaotic world, 24-7, online, on your devices. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials.
Howdy, the streamer here. You know, there's a place down yonder where three streams converge into one. It's where I saw the Mandalorian get himself into a space squabble. Watch me some UFC. And those folks from Modern Family had me cackling like a trout getting tickled. Well, that's a Disney bundle for you. It lets you stream Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus for only $13.99 a month. The Disney bundle. It's streaming at its best. Includes Hulu ad-supported plan. Access content from each service separately. Terms apply. Visit the DisneyBundle.com for details. Enrique Santos for Taco Bell. The toasted cheddar chalupa from Taco Bell is back, and I know what you're thinking, because I'm thinking the same thing. Did they really toast six-month-old aged cheddar right onto a delicious flaky chalupa shell again? Yes, they did, but now it's even tastier. It comes with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink, all in a $5 box. That's right, all that for just a little cheddar. But don't forget, it's back for a limited time. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa Box, only at Taco Bell. Hey, listen, for those of you that may be new here, I want to remind you, if you miss a show any day, TNN Live, you never have to worry about that. You've got a bunch of ways to go grab it. And we talk about a, a potpourri of very important things here every day. You know, you can get a lot of things discussed in two hours. And it's hard. I get it. I understand. It's very rare for people to be able to sit down and listen uninterrupted for two hours. And so in that context, we want you to have at least access to easily get the entire shows. And there are several ways to do it. The first way, within five minutes of each show ending, you can go to that day's story that's published at www.truthnewsnet.org. Go to the homepage, the first story that pops up, click on that story, scroll all the way to the bottom, and you'll see a link, a real pretty there, a purple link, and it has the show in its entirety, and all you do is click on it to listen. That's number one. If you're one of the podcast folks that you love to listen to podcasts, very convenient too. You can listen to stories, you can listen to shows and get everything when it's convenient for you. Our show, at the same time, it's published there at truthnewsnet.org. It's published on Apple Podcast, Spotify Podcast, Google Podcast, uh, TuneIn Podcast, Stitcher Podcast. You can get them there. You can download them or listen to them live there. And again, it's just so that you have that out there as a resource. I watch the numbers daily. Um, RSS.com is where our show goes to. And they're just a management distribution firm. They send all of these shows out to those various um, podcast firms, Apple Podcast, etc. And they monitor the numbers of downloads and every day the numbers are going up. Some days the numbers of downloads even double the previous day. What is that? What I'm, why am I telling you that? I want you to know what we do here is growing in demand. More and more people are hearing about it. More and more people are tuning in and they like the fact that they're getting unfettered facts instead of just a bunch of partisan perspective. I'm not a Republican. The people that write, our guests that write stories on our site, some of them are Republicans. We even have a Democrat every once in a while that writes and submits an article for approval that we'll publish here, but we always tell you who they are. And of course, you and I both know you can listen to what they say, 
read what they write, you know what the intentions of their hearts are. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's from the Bible, so you can pretty much listen to what somebody says or read what they write and tell who they are. Everything here is about transparency and making all information that we get our arms around that are presented here. I can't tell you how many texts and emails, how many stories that are copied and forwarded to us here that go across my desk every day. I mean, I got to be honest with you. It, it started out being two or three, maybe five or six. Then it turned into dozens. Now it's hundreds and a bunch of them are repeats. And I don't ever denigrate anybody for forwarding information or stories to us or links or whatever. I can tell you this, the one I deplore the most looking at is TikTok because they don't make it easy when it's forwarded to somebody that doesn't have a TikTok account, which I don't. And I won't simply because the Chinese communist government owns TikTok. And you and I both know they don't put anything out on the internet that they can't grab information from and access Who knows what they access on the computers and the iPhones of people that have TikTok loaded and use it regularly. I don't want to go down that road, and I'm not going down that road. But anyway, if you want to send us stuff, feel free to do so. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Well, I guess you've heard now our president wants to go back with another COVID relief package. You know, this is lasting longer than we thought, and the American people are struggling with it. Larry Kudlow, Fox Business Network, he's an economist, a really sharp guy. He was an advisor during Trump's four years in the White House, and he was in large part involved in the construction of many of the economic policies that came out for the better of all of us during the Trump administration, including those massive tax cuts, the biggest tax cuts in one single offering ever in U.S. history. Larry Kudlow weighed in last night on his thoughts about what Biden is going after in additional COVID relief money. Listen to this logic. And then after you hear Kudlow and he finishes, line up the logic that with the facts and statistics that he gives us to what you're hearing coming out of this White House. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Kudlow. I'm Larry Kudlow. We begin tonight with Save America, Kill the Bill. One of those thumb-sucking news stories planted by progressive lefties to a Wall Street Journal reporter suggesting that the radicals were somehow willing to negotiate with Joe Manchin and Manchin was somehow willing to play. As I say, it was a silly story, no basis in fact. The Washington Times had a much more accurate story that suggested Manchin is not negotiating with anybody on big government socialism, sometimes called Build Back Better, or Build Back Smaller, or Build Back Chunkier, or something. But then, the king himself, Joe Manchin, he put an end to all of it today, which is why we love him. He has been incredibly consistent. He called Build Back Better, quote, dead, saying, and I quote, what build back better bill, end quote. He said that in response to reporters. And then he said, it's dead. Is he engaged in any talks on the matter? Quote, no, 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 it's dead, period, end quote. 
So, folks, that's four no's and a dead. Seems pretty clear to me. I mean, the guy has said forever, no more social spending. That's going to jack up inflation even higher. He said he doesn't want a middle-class entitlement state with no means testing. And all those social spending plans have to have workfare in them. And the left doesn't want any of that. What's more, Manchin is not going to give in to some kind of massive Green New Deal spending and subsidizing package that will harm West Virginia fossil fuels. This should be not difficult for the radical left to understand, but they don't understand it. So now there's talk of an end run around Manchin. Well, what's an end run? Some kind of new, get this, gotta love this, some kind of Omicron COVID relief package. Really? Apparently the White House is cooking one up. But even House radicals don't see to want it just yet. And in the worst kept secret in Washington anyway, this so-called COVID relief bill would just be a vehicle to put on every left-wing wish list items that they couldn't get from BBB and Joe Manchin. Everybody knows that. And it's not going to happen. Look at We've had three major relief bills totaling nearly $6 trillion. You reckon that's enough? Biden was just bragging how strong the economy is. But the White House wants even more federal spending? What, so we can have even higher inflation? So that after tax, after inflation, disposable income, which has dropped three straight months, will continue to fall? Decimating middle-class consumers because of rising prices? Is that what Biden wants? Here's some numbers, courtesy of the Committee for a Responsible Budget. Of the $5.7 trillion appropriated, only $4.9 trillion has been spent. I say only because it leaves $800 billion unspent. The numbers, all these numbers are horrible. I'm not defending them. But just saying, there's still almost a trillion dollars of unspent money. Now, of that total, $240 billion in health spending allocations has not been spent. $240 billion. That's a lot of money. Well, where'd that go? And then there's $150 billion allocated for state and local government that's unspent. Huh? That wouldn't be going to blue state governors and blue mayors, would it? Mm. And then there's a category called other that hasn't spent another $150 billion. I don't know what other is other. Are we talking teachers unions that don't want to teach? District attorneys that don't want to enforce laws, longshoremen that won't work 24-7, test kits undelivered, therapies banned from certain states, border control money for out-of-control borders. Where's this money going? $800 billion unspent. And now the White House is talking up a new COVID relief spending package? Oh, come on. The CBO, Congressional Budget Office, gimmick-free price for BBB was $5 trillion in spending with $2 trillion in tax hikes and $3 trillion in new federal debt. With a 7% inflation rate and a White House that is now warning us Friday's jobs number might even show a drop of employment. A drop. That's all that spending. I'm sticking with Joe Manchin. Save America, kill the bill, and no new bills. You know, please, no new bills. Only two trillion.
trillion? What was the number? Only three trillion has been spent. I know the story was about the eight hundred billion that is still unspent of that COVID that last COVID relief bill. Eight hundred, but only Larry Kudlow himself said only whatever the T number was, if it was two trillion or three trillion, whatever. Only that much has been spent. Listen, folks, look around the nation. Do you know what a trillion of anything is, what it really looks like? I mean, on this show, we ran the numbers. In fact, during the next break, I'm going to go to Worldometer and get the numbers and tell you when it was a trillion seconds ago, what the year and the date was when a trillion seconds ago happened. It's mind-boggling how big that number is in reality. And this government tosses around, oh, you know, we need four more trillion. We'll be fine. Everybody will be okay. We never give them enough money. They never get enough money. Do do you know, you understand that every year under Donald Trump as president, tax proceeds that the government took in every year went up dramatically, even with those tax cuts that they told us, Democrats told us, when in his first year we had those great tax cuts, it was going to break the bank, there wouldn't be enough money to run the government. More tax money came in that year than ever before in any year in American history. The next year, the same. The next year, the same. It doesn't matter how much money comes into the government. They're going to spend all of that. And I guess that would be okay. But they don't stop there. $30 trillion has been borrowed by the American government. And more than two-thirds of that has happened since 2008 when Barack Obama and Joe Biden were in power. And of course, then Donald Trump. And of course, now Joe Biden, oh, he trampled all over the numbers of Trump's borrowing and even Obama's borrowing. And it's real simple. You run out of money, your kid goes to college, you give them a credit card, they run out of money because they partied hardy or they they bought too many new clothes or whatever reasons. And they call home and say, Mom, Dad, I got to do this and there's no money on my credit card. Can you put some more in there? If you're a parent, I know that's happened to you. Kids look at us as piggy banks and a little more than that in a lot of cases, at least at part part of their lives, that's what we are, just because we're parents. But what Joe Biden does when all of his minions in Congress and his bureaucrats and the people that are gave him great big campaign dollars and come come a calling and need this or want that. Oh, we don't have it, but we gotta go get it. What does Joe do? He just he just hands out another credit card. They start they started over. It's the same thing. It's like a bunch of spoiled brats. There is no accountability on what is spent. They don't listen to the American people. They don't understand we Americans, we are egregiously involved into inflation that has been created by this administration. And it's tearing people up. I know people that have changed the way they eat because they live on a fixed budget. They don't have a lot of money. They didn't have a lot of money to start off with, but it was working. 
in the previous administration. It doesn't work when Joe Biden's there and he tells us, hey, 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 payrolls have gone up. People are making more money. Well, part of that is because of egregious federal mandates. And the other part of it is, yeah, there's more money out in the marketplace. And a lot of it is that money that's doled out by the federal government to corporations and to individuals. But paychecks are not keeping pace with the cost of what people spend their paychecks for. And it's insane to keep doing it over and over and wanting to do it. Coming back to the trough of money, which is the American people's pockets, and demanding more so they can spend more. I don't see it getting better in this administration. In fact, I see it only getting worse. We have some very important things we're going to weigh into that we need to. The other stuff so far, folks, it's been critical. And we want to make sure you're involved in everything. Everything we find, everything we talk about here, it's because it's what you want to know, the facts that you want to know. That's what we're here for. More of that is just ahead. A divorce lawyer should be more than just a lawyer. Divorce is like no other experience, especially for guys. At Cordell and Cordell, our clients want a partner standing next to them, someone they can trust, someone who understands where they are and how to get them out. We are the attorneys of Cordell and Cordell. We are advisors and advocates for men before, during, and after divorce. We are Cordell and Cordell, a partner men can count on. To schedule your appointment, give us a call or visit us online at CordellCordell.com. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember the naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are Sunmate's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sunmate's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sunmade snacks. Cars today are computers on wheels. That's it. Uh, the fancy new tech makes our life easier in the car, but when something breaks, can you afford to fix the touchscreen display or the sensor, which can cost thousands of dollars? Most likely, no. That's why I have Car Shield, and it takes away the worry and the panic of the expensive repair that you know is coming. Car Shield, their protection plans can save you thousands for covered repairs, including everything from an engine, transmission, GPS, electronics, and more. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work, and Car Shield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary roadside assistance and a rental car. It's inevitable something's going to break. It happens to everybody, including me. So get coverage from America's number one auto protection company like I did and find out why CarShield cars go farther. Rates are as low as $99 a month, so visit carshield.com. Use the promo code iHeart to save 10%. That's carshield.com, promo code iHeart. Deductible may apply. Is the insanity making your head spin? Okay, let's sit down and figure this out together. Again, Dan Newman. Okay. A trillion seconds ago, a trillion seconds ago, how long ago was that? Any idea? A trillion seconds ago, let me get, let me give you the real number. I'm going to, I'm going to be accurate. 
31,688 years ago. 269 days plus one hour, 46 minutes and 40 seconds. 31,688 years. Well, what about a billion seconds? Let me see if I can find that. One billion seconds is the equivalent of 11,574 days or roughly 31.69 years. It also equals 277,778 hours, years ago. 31.69. So when was that? Today is 2022. 31 years ago would be, uh, let's see, 20, 20 years would be 2002. 30 years would be 1992. So 31 years ago would be sometime in 1991. But we're not really talking about billions. We're talking about trillions. A trillion seconds, 31,688 years ago. That's incredible. And we talk about that. Our government talks about it like it's meaningless. Oh, it's no big deal. Of course, we're talking about dollars and cents. Yeah, it's a pretty big deal. The reason it's a pretty big deal is because we don't have that much money. We don't have that kind of money. And they're spending it, and we don't have it. That's why it's a big deal, folks. And don't anybody tell you, you'll never hear us diminish the cost of anything here, especially when it's government-related. Because they're not the ones that pay it. We do. Okay, let's get on along. Here's some news. I think it's good news coming out of Washington. No other media outlet that I can find is covering this. The White House wants to replace Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra. Why? Well, because of his gross handling of the pandemic, chaos over testing, confusion over isolation policies. And this is coming from some of the top, 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 top White House officials. And the Washington Post reported on it, so you know They're the ones that would be covering up, but they're the only ones that have reported it so far. Becerra is a former member of Congress. He's from California. He went back, he left Congress and went back and ran for and won an election to be California's attorney general. He's taken a backseat role in the COVID pandemic response, which is, by the way, being run out of the White House, if you can call it being run. He's taking too passive a role in what may be the most defining challenge to this administration. That's an unnamed White House official speaking. Officials in the White House have become frustrated with this low-profile approach as the Omicron variant sickened millions of Americans amid confusing guidance surrounding testing and isolation from everybody from the top on down. Under Becerra's watch or the most recognizable face behind the pandemic response, Dr. Fauci, of course, Dr. Excuse me, Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky of the CDC, and Surgeon General Vivek Murthy. The White House also looked flat-footed going into the holiday season. You remember this as there was a nationwide shortage of tests. The Washington Post cited three senior administration officials. They didn't name them two outside advisors, 
with direct knowledge of the internal discussions. In other words, basically, folks, it looks like Javier Becerra is toast. Now, I don't think anybody, any average American is going to disagree with that. In fact, they would say, why hasn't it happened so far? But I will tell you this. He doesn't need to go out alone. He needs to go out hands in hands, him and Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Both of them have been horrible on their jobs. Both of them are suborning law, criminality. They're allowing it and not just allowing it to happen, especially Mayorkas in this immigration debacle. They're encouraging it to happen. These are people that both made their pledges by swearing an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. And they're doing exactly the opposite on a daily basis and are getting away with it. That's on the table of discussion. And because of that and a whole bunch of other things, one of the most accurate pollsters of the last two decades released a bombshell poll that shows half of voters in the nation want to see Joe Biden impeached. And only 45% say they disagree. How does that break down? Listen to this. It includes 50% of black voters. They want to see Biden impeached. Half of voters believe Joe Biden should be impeached. Nearly as many think Republicans will do it if they win a congressional majority in the midterms. A new national online survey by Rasmussen and the National Pulse finds that 50% of us, likely voters, support the impeachment of Joe, including 33% who strongly support it. Rasmussen adds 45% are opposed to impeaching Biden, including 33% who strongly oppose it. And then 34% of Democrats support impeaching Biden, as do half, 50% of black voters. Scott Rasmussen, I like him a lot. He said, the internals on these polls are fascinating. When these same respondents were asked if impeaching former President Trump twice was a good thing or bad thing, only 36% said it was a good thing. 47% said it was a bad thing. What's more, only 56% of Democrats and 42% of blacks believe impeaching Trump twice was good. So when they were asked if the GOP will go through with impeachment, if they get the House Back in the midterms, 45% believe it's likely, 42% say otherwise. Basically, and without billions of corporate media dollars being spent to frame him, which is what happened to Trump, Biden's impeachment numbers are right up there with Trump's during the Ukraine phone call hoax. But Biden's problems are all based on his actual performance, not at his alleged improprieties that were disproven, with 40 million taxpayer dollars and 20 hardcore left Democrat attorneys that hated Trump, and they all joined arms. We're going to go find the dirt and throw it at Trump and kick him out of office. They found squat. That's not even being happening now. (laughs) Biden's out there flying solo, basically, and we're watching what he's doing, and Americans say, "Uh uh-uh, we're not taking this. Now, let me tell you something else that illustrates the fact that this president is somewhere else, at least 
a great part of his day every day, and at least mentally. Biden says that his administration right now today, they are diligently working. They are trying, their words, his words, trying to figure out why illegal immigrants leave their countries. When I heard this, it just blew my mind. Biden said that his administration is committed to improving the border crisis. How? By trying to figure out why migrants are leaving their home countries for the U.S. in the first place. I'm going to quote the president. We're working a lot with our neighboring countries. A lot to do. Now, he was meeting with his VP, Harris, at the National Governors Association at the White House. I think one of the fundamental things we've got to do in addition to some of the changes we'll make, which we won't get into it today, he said, is that if we figure out why they're leaving in the first place, it's not like people sit around and say in Guadalajara, I got a great idea. Let's sell everything we have. Give it to a coyote. Take us across the border. Leave us in the desert in a country that doesn't want us. We don't speak the language. Won't that be fun? Anyone through. He said, you know, there are gangs we're working on. There's a whole lot of illegal movement. But there's also a way to begin to deal with the reason they're leaving in the first place, he added. Of course, he didn't answer. He didn't tell us what it was. There's a way to deal with the reason they're leaving in the first place. His comments came after Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, a Republican, and he's chairman of the National Governors Association, asked the press to explain what his administration is doing to help remedy the influx of migrants over the southern border. That's a passive question that is meaningless because (laughs) all they have to do to stop it is put the rest of the wall up and enforce the laws. That was proven by our Border Patrol ICE agents when Donald Trump was president. Why even ask this stupid question? By the way, Asa Hutchinson, the governor of Arkansas, that asked the question, he's a rhino. He can't stand Donald Trump. But he had to pontificate a little bit. He said, I had the opportunity to serve in the Bush administration and on border security. So I know how tough it is. I know how difficult it is. Some of the governors have actually sent our National Guard resources, you know, to the border to assist the state expense. So we'd welcome your comments as to how you're meeting this challenge and the plans for the future in that regard. Now, Joe said, remember, over and over again, campaigning, the buck stops here. Any problems, any issues, I am responsible to fix every one of them. If you've got a question about what we're doing, why we're doing it, all you got to do is ask me. The buck stops here. Well, don't forget that Kamala Harris, who was appointed by Biden last March to handle the border crisis, didn't mention her efforts surrounding immigration during her comments at this governor's meeting. In July, the Biden administration rolled out its strategies to address the quote-unquote root causes of migration from El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras. The root causes strategy unveiled on my birthday, July 29th, broken down into five different things. One, addressing economic insecurity and equality, combating corruption, 
strengthening democratic governance and advancing the rule of law, promoting respect for human rights, labor rights, and the free press, countering and preventing violence, extortion, and other crimes perpetrated by criminal gangs, trafficking networks, and other organized criminal organizations, and combating sexual, gender-based, and domestic violence. Now, throw all those things in a bucket. Let me point something kind of, oh, I don't know, it's insignificant, and you'll probably laugh at me when I say this is a big deal. Those root causes. He's got a strategy, he said. He revealed his strategy July 29th. I'm going to read them again. Addressing economic insecurity and inequality, combating corruption, strengthening democratic governance, and advancing the rule of law. That's two. Third, promoting respect for human rights, labor rights, and the free press. That's three. Four, countering and preventing violence, extortion, and other crimes perpetrated by criminal gangs, trafficking networks, and other organized criminal organizations. And five, combating sexual, gender-based, and domestic violence. That's what he and Kamala say. We've identified it. We're going to help it. We're going to go to El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras and take care of all this there. Listen closely to what I am very simply going to say now. They don't get or even attempt to get these problems solved here. Not a single one. What makes this guy that wears the White House hat think that he, in his wildest imagination, even has a remote chance of accomplishing even part of one of these, yet alone helping accomplish all five of them in countries where he has no input? And, of course, he'll be the first to say, well, listen, we send these countries a lot of money in foreign policy dollars. So, oh, I can get him to do all kinds of things, just like he did, and he bragged about it in Ukraine. Remember that one? He was Barack Obama's right-hand man to Ukraine. He formally appointed Joe Biden to go over there and take care of things with Ukraine. That was when Russia was once again blustering that they were going to invade Ukraine. And so he goes over there, and Victor Shokin, who was then the lead federal prosecutor in the criminal activity among the corporate world in Ukraine, was investigating Burisma Holdings. What did that matter to Joe? Well, his son, Hunter, was serving on the board of Burisma Holdings. And we find out later he was getting checks for more than $50,000 a month from Burisma Holdings, not because of his extensive knowledge, in the energy sector because he had zero, but because, only because, he's Joe Biden's son. Joe went over there on Barack's behalf, and he had gotten the green light from Barack to help the Ukrainian government with a loan guarantee. A small one, only a billion dollars. And Joe went over there, And instead of talking to the president and saying, look, we in 
the United States, our citizens, our government, we want to help you. We know you need some financial help to get ready for what's impending, coming from Russia. So I've got a billion-dollar guarantee in my pocket. You can go to any bank you want in the world, make a loan for the people, and we'll guarantee that loan. In other words, we're going to pay the bill. Instead of doing that, you know what he did? He said, hey, your guy over here is investigating my son. I want you to fire Victor Shokin. Why fire him? That's up to you. Whatever you want to say, but we want him out of here. And if he's not fired before my plane flies away this afternoon back to the U.S. about eight hours, Joe even bragged using that. About I think it was six hours. If he's not fired by then, you don't get that billion-dollar loan guarantee, and no bank's going to lend you any money if we don't guarantee it. And Joe looked at the camera and looked at the, those around him that he's bragging to, and he said, son of a bee, he did it. In other words, Joe extorted the president of Ukraine. <laughs> I wonder if he can be impeached now for that, something he did. I know I don't think he can. It doesn't matter. It just explains who the heck this is. They don't have a clue, folks. It's not being fixed. It's not going to be fixed, and it is going to get worse. Listen to this. This just kind of slipped out overnight. One of those people that slip in across our southern border, we call them illegal immigrants. You can call them illegal aliens. That was the old term that was used for decades. No, that's not politically correct to those in this Democrat party, but I don't give a rip. One illegal alien accused of killing a woman in a hit-and-run car crash in Texas November a year ago now is no longer facing deportation. Why? Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas changed the rules. And you know what rules he changed? The number of removals that they do, deporting illegals. He lowered the number of allowed removals, and that exempted this hit-and-run driver that killed an American woman. Padilla is this lady's last name. She was driving drunk in November 2020 when caused a car crash. This is a guy, I said she. He caused a car crash that killed 19-year-old Adrian Sophia. The accused tried to flee the scene but was caught by the cops. DHS initially wanted authorities to deport him after Texas issued its punishment, but the federal agency changed its mind because the individual does not qualify for priority deportation under Mayorkas' new rules issued in September last year. I mean... She killed a woman in a hit-and-run drive. He did. He killed a woman in a hit-and-run accident, but that's not sufficient enough for him to be deported. Under these new rules that Mayorkas has updated, many deportation requests were canceled for illegal immigrants who were accused, charged, pleaded guilty to felony charges of evading arrest, or even those who have already been convicted of drunk driving, drug possession, or domestic assault. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, that's ICE, told Texas that these detainers, or requests for deportation, are no longer considered priority lifts, indicating they aren't seen as important targets under 
Mayorkas's rules. Forget about Mayorkas's rules. They're parts of federal immigration laws passed by the people's representative. You know, when we began this show today, early in the show, we talked about that judge up in Michigan that he basically pulled the lid off what that investigation into Dominion voting systems up there uncovered. You remember that? All kinds of illegal things were happening in these elections. Legally passed by Michigan's legislature, voting laws were being arbitrarily done away with or amended by governors, secretaries of voting and election systems. They were stepping in and changing all, they're just ignoring these laws and changing them, and it's unconstitutional. Alejandro Mayorkas has no legal authority to change one thing that's part of any federal immigration law. Joe Biden, sitting in the White House, has no authority to ignore a single law of any kind, let alone an immigration law that results in people, especially people, getting killed and hurt, being subjected to these felony criminal actions by the illegals that Joe Biden not only refuses to have deported when they come here illegally, no matter what they do, He refuses to stop them from coming here. In fact, he pays them with your money for them to come here. Drug overdoses, many fentanyl-related, reached record highs last year, on track to cause more deaths this year than last year as Joe Biden ignores the ongoing crisis that he made at the southern border. It's responsible for a large portion of drug trafficking into this nation. He and his team at the White House are intentionally ignoring the growing border crisis, even though since the beginning of the 2021 calendar year, border officials arrested more than 2 million illegals, often aided and funded by the United Nations at the southern border. The UN is supporting these people, paying people Dollars and cents. Do you know where the UN gets their money? We're the biggest givers in the world to the United Nations. They're taking some of our money and they're funding illegals coming across into our country. Already, Customs and Border Protection data indicates those apprehensions of illegals on the border in this fiscal year will be more than 2 million. Not only are these illegals pouring across the border in what is arguably the nation's number one humanitarian crisis, but so are lethal drugs like fentanyl, which plays an increasing role in the number of drug-related deaths in the U.S. In one 72-hour period last year, in the fall of last year, I forget which, which month it was, enough fentanyl was stopped at the southern border. In other words, people coming across and our Border Patrol people found them and found the fentanyl, there was more than enough in a 72-hour period to kill every one of we 330 million Americans. And Joe Biden's allowing this to happen. He's not even trying to stop it. Border Patrol agents will tell you if you talk to them, they're tying our hands. They don't let us enforce federal laws that Congress passed. 
So in addition to creating our extensive national security problems that are so obvious, his open border policies have ushered in a public health crisis now. It's responsible for many of the 100,306 drug overdose deaths in the U.S. from April 2020 to April 2021, more than 100,000. In South Texas ports of entry alone, Border Patrol seized 588 pounds of fentanyl in fiscal year 2021. That's a 1,066% increase since fiscal year 2020. What happened differently than what happened in fiscal year 2020? Joe Biden became president. Donald Trump went to Mar-a-Lago in Florida. And Biden quit enforcing federal law. That's what happened. Southern states, including states that border Mexico, reported a surging number of fentanyl-related hospital visits and deaths. Even states like Kansas and Maine, which are hundreds to thousands of miles away from the border, are grappling with record high drug overdoses and fentanyl deaths as a result of these smuggled drugs. Some border drug traffickers are caught. Some are. There's no question about it. Others, many of whom evade apprehension by overwhelmed and frustrated border officials, continue to pump lethal substances such as fentanyl into the U.S. with no punishment. Do you know where most of the fentanyl comes from, by the way? It's manufactured in China. It's shipped and finds its way into the hands of the drug cartel drug traffickers in Mexico and Xi Jinping is doing that to get them into the United States so to be given and sold to Americans across our nation who in many cases overdose are permanently disabled or die. And Joe Biden is suborning this entire process. That, my friends, is factual information. That is not supposition. That's not an opinion. It is the truth. And we have got to stop it somehow. Somebody get in Joe Biden's ear and tell him, Joe, do what you committed you do. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. Join a community of online learning and find your bright future at the American Women's College of Bay Path University. Getting your college education doesn't necessarily make it so you have different self-worth or you mean more. There's so many different roads you can take. But if you have the feeling that you want it, go get it. The American Women's College is supportive and kind, and what you've created has changed lives, and I'm so grateful that I can say I've been part of it. Enrolling now for September and November at baypath.edu slash future. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Julie, hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on, I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is. It's hump day. Woo-hoo! Ronnie, how happy are folks who save hundreds of dollars switching to Geico? I'd say happier than a camel on Wednesday. Hump day! Get happy. Yeah! Get Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. I'm famous chef Tony Magoni, owner of Tony Magoni's Steakhouse. And when people ask me where I get my award-winning meat from, it's from one place. 
meaty bits. No matter what you need, be it a smoked pig, a goat by sunset, or a ten-foot alligator in a salty brine, mm-hmm, meaty bits will get it to you fast with a smile and completely without judgment. So, if it's good enough for Tony Magoni's steakhouse, why not be good enough for Joe Public's home house? Mmm, yeah. Get in touch with Meaty Bits and tell them Tony sent you. Meaty Bits, if it ever was alive, they can get it to you dead. Mmm. We're finding ourselves in the same situation as yesterday. We get to the last quarter hour of the show and we still have a bunch of things, very important things that we need to talk about. We're going to have to carry some of this over again tomorrow, but I'm just looking here at the stuff that I really want you to know about. In the middle of this massive criminality across the United States that has reached epic proportions, and it seems like more and more people are saying, maybe benignly, maybe not actually saying it, but with their actions, they're supporting it, criminality on the rise. Go ahead, do what you want to do. These police around the nation, they're scared now. We've called them out. And what we're getting across to them is to go light on crime. And in doing that, who pays that price? Well, it's the American people, and we've already had a record number of law enforcement people killed in this year. It's crazy how many people died in just the month of January simply because there were cops. And these criminals, especially the violent ones, are emboldened. They don't think anything about pulling out a gun and just shooting anybody that's around, especially cops. So who's driving this whole thing? Of course, up at the top with buttloads full of money is George Soros. He's anti-cop. He's anti-law enforcement. And he's given tens of hundreds of millions of dollars to various causes around the United States to plant the seed of law enforcement evil. It's evil. Plant that seed, water that seed, and help it grow. And the principal way he does it is supporting these district attorneys, the DAs that run for political election appointment to become the chief law enforcement agents in those cities, primarily the big cities, places like Los Angeles, San Francisco, St. Louis, uh, and other big cities across the nation. And they're going soft on crime. The latest and the most egregious one is the guy that just took office in Manhattan. I mean, when he was campaigning, he told people that lived in New York, I'm going soft on criminal activity. We've got too many people in jail. I don't care what somebody does short of actual murder. We're not going to put them in jail unless somebody dies or somebody is shot. Somebody is raped with intent to kill. We're not even going to put them in jail. And it's scaring people to death. And of course, the purveyors of this entire philosophy number in just a few areas in the United States Congress, the squad of the principles of pushing this narrative. You know who they are. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib. Who else is in that? Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley from Massachusetts. They're all into 
going light on crime, not people making pay for what they do. But in the middle of all of that, defund the police sympathizers from the squad collectively last year, folks, they spent over $325,000 on their own private security. All the while, while they are promoting the radical left-wing policy, defund the police. And this number comes from the FEC, the Federal Election Commission. Now, why would they have the number? Because the squad members are using campaign contribution money. You know, they went out and asked people, support my campaign. Help me get elected so I can represent you. The leftover money, they're spending it for their own private security. The worst one now, the newest one, Corey Bush, chief prosecutor, a Democrat from Missouri. She spent the most of all of the squad members, was sworn into office the beginning of last year, has been a large supporter of defunding the police. Big, big campaign contribution from George Soros. During a live CBS News interview, she said this, defunding the police has to happen. But when confronted about hiring private security, she replied, you would rather I die? Is that what you want to see? You want to see me die? The report showed that AOC only spent about $10,000 during the fourth financial quarter filing, but in 2021, she totaled seventy-five dollars the second biggest spending on private security from the squad, but tens of thousands of dollars less than Corey Bush. And they're not alone. You know the name Stacey Abrams? She ran for governor, I guess, in 2018. I think it was 2018. In uh, Georgia, and she got beat by Brian Kemp, who is the governor. She still has not said she was beaten in the vote. She says she, says she lost because she was cheated out of it, and it's a racial thing. She has a political action committee that's aligned with her, and they spent this PAC spent more than $1.2 million on her private security in 2021 alone besides her incessant pushes to defund the police. The name of that PAC is Fair Fight Political Action Committee, and their stated cause and purpose is to fight voter suppression created by Abrams, the PAC is, in 2018 after she lost that campaign and election to Brian Kemp. $1.2 million. Now let me ask you this. They want to defund the police, and it has nothing to do with them because they're secure. They have plenty of campaign money. They can hire and do hire armed guards to be with them 24-7 to make sure they're safe. What about you and me? Who protects us? Well, in history, folks, it's been cops. And by the way, we pay for that. We're taxed at the local, state, and federal level to pay for law enforcement. Every part of the expense there, including the police. And they want to take that away from you and me by passing legislation that does it and makes it legal. Do you kind of sense a little conundrum there, a little hypocrisy there? And I guess the scariest thing of all 
is they think it's okay. And they think you and I don't mind. And if we do mind and we speak up like I do here regularly at TNN Live, they think it's only because Stacey Abrams is black. Corey Bush is black. AOC, she's Puerto Rican. Ayanna Presley from Massachusetts, she's black. Ilhan Omar is from Somalia. So because they're different than us, the only reason we would not support defunding the police is because we're racist xenophobes, name-calling. And these are members of the United States Congress and one that almost was governor of Georgia. They think this, they believe this, and they want everybody around them to believe it, and not only believe it, take action on it. Well, one lawmaker in Virginia, I'm sure I haven't been on the congressional floor when they were debating things, but I'm sure it gets testy, and there's a lot of name-calling going on in crafting legislation. It's always been contested. The way it was structured in the beginning and supposed to be done today is what you do is you, you debate with those who have countering positions on everything that is of question, and you try to entice them or induce them to come over to your way of thinking. It can get a little testy in that. All the way down the gravy train, it's not just Congress, in state houses across the nation. One lawmaker, a Republican in Virginia, had had enough of this in the Virginia legislature, and he stood to his feet and made known how he feels. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, I I was asked by a colleague of mine on the other side of aisle, someone I actually deeply respect, and she asked me, uh, was I going to be nice this session? And I I thought it was an interesting question. I don't particularly think of myself as uh, an unnice person, but I can see how sometimes people would see that differently. But you know what I've never done, Mr. Speaker? I've never got on this floor, and I've challenged the faith of an elected official because I disagreed with them on policy. I've never gone on this floor, Mr. Speaker, and suggested that the other side of the aisle were racist because they didn't agree with my particular policy positions. I've never suggested they were sexist because they didn't agree with my particular policy positions. But I'm keeping a running tally so far of this session, we're not very far into it, and almost every day, almost every day, someone on the other side of the aisle either gets up and either subtly or comes right out and suggests that if you don't agree with them on policy, well, then you're not a Christian. You're a sexist. You're a bigot. You're a racist. But the moment someone actually stands up and says, wait a second, no, I'm not going to accept that. If you want to debate me on the merits of our particular policies, I am happy to have that discussion. But at the moment you claim, with no evidence other than we don't agree on a particular policy position, The moment you claim that that makes us racist or sexist or bigoted, Mr. Speaker, I've got news. This was tried during the election cycle. You had a lot of parents coming to their local elected officials asking questions about what was going on in their schools. And the initial response was, oh, it's not there. Enough is enough of this mess. It's happening everywhere. It's got to stop. And we have to stop it. That's a wrap on the show today. Thanks for sharing your middle of the week with us here at TNN Live Truth News Network. We're back tomorrow, folks. Don't miss a day. Look forward to seeing you at 9 a.m. Central tomorrow and every Monday through Friday at TNN Live. Uh
right about now. Ooh.